Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome to Prophecy Today. Have you got 90 minutes? I certainly need that 90 minutes in order to be able to present all of my broadcast partners from around the world with reports on current events in line with the prophetic scenario found in God's Word. And that's the purpose behind this 90 minutes on a weekly basis. So glad that you could join us. We have Ken Timmerman standing by, and we're going to be talking with him just a moment from now. I want to tell you we're here in Milwaukee, but we leave right after the broadcast. We're going to Bloomington, Illinois, the Freedom Baptist Church there. And we're going to be in a prophecy conference Sunday through Wednesday. More details on that, the times, etc. in just a moment. But I want to take a moment to give a shout out to Alexandria, who is in Brisbane, Australia. Got a note from her, an email this last week uh, that said she listens to our podcast every single Monday. And we're so thrilled that we have people down in Australia listening. Hope she can pass the news along and get others to listen to us on a weekly basis as well. She did mention that when I spoke about praying for those in higher authority, First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, that her prime minister, Scott Morrison, is a born-again believer. She's praying for him, and she's praying that the Holy Spirit will lead him in his efforts to lead that great country. So, Alexandria, a great big shout out to you, my dear friend. Thank you for letting us know you're listening in that part of the world. Well, in this part of the world, we're going to Ken Timmerman. Ken, we've got a number of things I want to talk to you about. Let me begin with this. There is a proposed China-Iran deal, and if it does go through, it's right on the verge of being able to be uh, completed If it does go through, they're saying in Israel it's going to be bad for the Jewish state. But what about the entire Middle East and the rest of the world? Is it going to be bad if China and Iran bring together this economic military deal? Well, absolutely, Jimmy. And this is something that you and I have been covering for uh, a couple of weeks on this specific story. But we've been talking about the China-Iran relationship for years now, because it's been developing for many years. The Chinese, let's not forget, helped Iran right in the beginning with its nuclear weapons program at the end of the 1990s to build a hexafluoride plant, which would give them the uranium gas that they need to spin in their centrifuges to enrich to make the fuel for a nuclear weapon. So this is a long-standing relationship. This new agreement between them is a 25-year strategic agreement where China will invest hundreds of billions of dollars in Iranian infrastructure in exchange for heavily discounted oil and gas. And the reason this is so important is because the Chinese are essentially giving Iran a way out of the international sanctions that are crushing their economy, especially the U.S. sanctions, absolutely crushing their economy putting enormous pressure on the mullahs, and the Chinese are offering them an exit ramp, a way out of that pressure. So it is a very bad thing. It will encourage Iran to continue its nuclear weapons program. It will encourage Iran to do all the bad things that they're doing. And it's a very bad thing to do, and the Chinese have shown that they couldn't care less what the United States or the Europeans think about the relationship with Iran. 
Well, just to follow up, Ken, on that story, China also, I guess, motivated because of this deal to urge other nations to oppose the U.S. calls for more sanctions on Iran, part of the plan that they're putting the deal together with. Well, that's absolutely right. So they're now going around to members of the U.N. Security Council who will vote on whether to renew sanctions on Iran in October and saying, look, we're going to vote against and we urge you to vote against as well. That's that's pretty extraordinary. In the past, the Chinese have been much more cautious in opposing the United States at the United Nations. Here they are openly going against uh, what the U.S. policy has been, what President Trump has announced. So this is a clash point between the United States and communist China. Ken, our good old buddy Taya Berdawan, president of Turkey, is hitting out at Egypt for interfering in the Libya conflict. Now, we've been talking about this conflict there in Libya. Why is Erdogan so concerned about Egypt getting involved? Well, Egypt is just right next door to Libya. And the Egyptians, along with the United Arab Emirates, have been helping General Haftar. Remember, Haftar is in Benghazi. He is the anti-Islamist general who runs a government there. And he has been in a war, a civil war, with the Tripoli government, which is Islamist and backed by Turkey. So Turkey is worried that Egypt is going to continue to provide military and economic support for General Haftar. And just this week, the Turks announced, Erdogan announced, that he was going to actually send troops to Tripoli to help support that government. Now, that's the first. He's been sending military equipment. He's been sending money. Uh, He's made agreements, strategic agreements, with the government in Tripoli, Libya. But this is the first time that he's actually announced, that Erdogan has announced, he will be sending Turkish troops on the ground, boots on the ground, to Tripoli, Libya. So this conflict is heating up, and I don't see a a near-term solution to it. Well, that solution may not be coming, but indeed, the nations that we're mentioning, all involved in a prophetic scenario that's found in God's Word, they'll have a climax to all of this. That's an absolute. Meanwhile, Iran is aiming to build up Syria and Iraq's air defense system, they say for the purpose of keeping Israeli airstrikes of happening there in Syria and Iraq. Give us the latest. Well, I, I would just say to the Iranians on this one, good luck. <laughs> you know, they haven't had much luck so far in defending their own positions inside Syria from Israeli airstrikes. And in theory, they've had the latest Russian air defense missiles to help them. So I, I would chalk this one up, Jimmy, to Iranian wishful thinking and their boastful claims. They want us to believe that they're going to build up those air defenses. But I have a great deal of confidence in the Israeli Defense Force and their Air Force, their pilots, including, by the way, female pilots who are grandchildren of Holocaust survivors. Quite interesting to see that. Uh, So I have a great deal of trust in them, a great deal of faith in them. I don't think the Iranians are going to be shooting down any Israeli planes uh, anytime soon. Just north of the border of Israel, Lebanon, is saying that they have a new great Satan right now. Of course, we know Hezbollah located in the southern portion of Lebanon, right at Israel's northern border. So Hezbollah pretty much of a, a irritant as far as the Israelis are concerned, but now Lebanon calling America the great Satan, I guess Israel the little Satan. 
Well, no, but here's what's changed there is that uh, Nasrallah, he, he's backing off of those claims about calling America the great Satan because he realizes that it's, the United States is the only country at this point who can actually save Lebanon from economic collapse. This speech by uh, Nasrallah this past week was really a milestone where he said, well, you know, we've called the U.S. the great Satan, but they're the only ones who can help us economically. I think he's in big trouble. I think that's what this indicates. I think it indicates that Nasrallah and Hezbollah are in big trouble, and uh, the people in Lebanon, the people of Lebanon, are turning against them. However, at the same time, Israel is reporting that they have been able to detect 28 Hezbollah missile launch sites located there in southern Lebanon, and they're located among the civilian areas. This is a strategy that Hamas has used there in the Gaza Strip, but it's going to put a bit of a hesitancy as it relates to the Israeli airstrikes taking place there on Hezbollah, will it not? Well, it may, but I think there's a strategic purpose to this leak that came out of Israel about these 28 locations. And, and th- I think they're trying to, again, awaken public opinion inside Lebanon to the really cynical way that Hezbollah has been operated, the way that Iran has been operating, you know, placing their missile launch sites inside civilian areas. They're placing them near schools, they're placing them near universities, near hospitals, the same way as you mentioned that Hamas has been doing in the Gaza Strip. And this is very unpopular in Lebanon. It's very unpopular. So I I think this, again, this is a move, deploying these missiles in this way, I think this is a move that has begun to backfire on Hezbollah. And that's why you saw Nasrallah's statement about turning the United States for aid. Kid, let me circle back to Tayyip Erdogan there in Turkey. Turkey has been making a lot of statements against the Jewish state of Israel and also against Greece. So now Israel and Greece are coming together, strengthening their military ties as they form an alliance to go against Turkey. This is an uptick in preparation to stand off Turkey. Will it not help as they make this alliance? This is a very significant development. You know, when I first started visiting the region in 1982, all those years ago, Greece was pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel, and no friend of Israel whatsoever. Today you have the Greek defense chief, General Floros, visiting Israel uh, and having talks with the IDF chief of staff. This is very important. Now, specifically, Jimmy, what they're worried about is a pipeline that Israel and Greece are jointly building to bring gas from those offshore fields, the Tamar field and the Leviathan field in the Mediterranean off Israel's coast, to bring that natural gas through um, Cyprus to Greece and on into Europe. And Turkey has been trying to thwart the building of that pipeline. They've claimed an exclusion zone off the coast of Cyprus. That's why they are moving into Libya to try to claim that whole swath of the Mediterranean so Israel and Greece cannot build this pipeline. So this is a big strategic clash of Israel and Greece on one side and Turkey and Libya on the other. And it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how this plays out. On Prophecy Today, the weekly program, we endeavor to try to update geopolitical activities that are happening around the world. And that's why we bring Ken Timmerman to this broadcast table to do exactly that. Ken, excellent report as always. Thank you so much. We'll have another conversation next week. Thank you and stay safe, Jimmy. God bless. 
We're going to take a break. When we come back, David Dolan's standing by. He's got a Middle East news update. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. I want to remind you that I do have a website. It's prophecytoday.com. This is a full-service website. It will assist you in your study of Bible prophecy. For example, I have a prophecy bookstore with a number of materials that will help you as you study through the prophetic passages of God's Word. I have a number of books, DVD documentaries, and five-hour audio series on the subject of Bible prophecy. I have a prophecy Q&A section, and then I list the top 10 news stories on a daily basis. These are news stories that seemingly are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And I will give you a prophetic perspective on those news stories. That website that you should bookmark is prophecytoday.com. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. So glad that you have thought about giving us 90 minutes. We're in the process of going through those 90 minutes with our broadcast partners, helping us to be able to give you the latest information on current events in light of biblical prophecy and seeing how the times in which we're living were spoken of by the ancient Jewish prophets many, many years ago. David Dolan's going to give us our Middle East news update. I want to remind you, after the broadcast, we're going to Bloomington, Illinois. The Freedom Baptist Church there will be there for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, a four-day prophecy conference. Hope you can come and join us as we study the prophetic word of God. And what a time in history to be able to look at Bible prophecy and make some sense out of what is happening in this world. We're going to do that for the Middle East region with our broadcast partner, longtime journalist in that region, David Dolan. And David, may I get started with talking to you about is Israel involved in the attacks on Iran? Now, I'm sure you don't know top secret information, but what are your thoughts and what have you been able to glean from what you have heard? Well, uh, I found it interesting, Jimmy, that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, when asked about this on television on Thursday, I think it was, was Israel involved? Was the United States involved? He smiled and shrugged and said, you know, I can't discuss that sort of information. It's top secret. 
but he didn't deny that there was any involvement, and it's pretty widely believed, if I can put it that way, from what I'm hearing, uh, reading intelligence reports and that, that Israel is involved in uh, this war with Iran. I call it a war. It's a cyber war. It's a actual war. But it does look like, Jimmy, there is a rebellious group inside of Iran, whether Israel has helped to train them, helps to fund them. We don't know. Uh, there's speculation about that, that the United States is doing the same. But there is pretty clear evidence now that there are some internal agents that are actively working against the Iranian government. Uh, seven ships on fire at the port of Boucher near the nuclear power plant there in southern Iran this week. Very suspicious. And then we had an announcement on Friday, Jimmy, that Two more cyber attacks have taken place on Israeli uh, facilities, water facilities, this week. They were successfully thwarted, and uh, the repairs were done real quickly. But there is definitely something going on. We also have reports that Iran has now put its air force on full alert and its air defense systems on full war footing. So a very, very difficult time, but very likely that Israel is involved. We've got to remember that Iran is the one that claimed war against Israel first, not Israel against Iran. Iran said, we'll destroy you. Iran has been moving its forces into the area around Israel, into Lebanon and Syria, and helping out in with the Palestinians, etc. So they're the ones responsible for whatever is happening here, uh, ultimately. It's interesting also to note, David, that one of the proxies for Iran, Hezbollah, located there in southern Lebanon at Israel's northern border. It's been reported by the Israelis that uh, there are 28 missile launch sites in civilian areas there in southern Lebanon, supposedly aimed at the Jewish state of Israel. That does not sound good, does it? No, but again, we've known that they've been building up their missile forces for some time. Um, we have various estimates of how many they have. 150,000 is, I think, the highest I've heard. Uh, most of those are just low-range rockets. They can do damage within 10, 15 miles of where they're uh, located. In other words, into northern Israel, they can hit Haifa and Tiberias and the northern cities. That's bad enough. But we know that they have hundreds of precision-guided missiles that are much more accurate, much more powerful, that can reach, well, they said themselves, they can now reach down to a lot in southern Israel. That's 280 miles from Lebanon. So it's a serious problem. We had reports this week that they've discovered more of these missile launching sites inside of Beirut in near neighborhoods and this sort of thing, making them harder for Israel to counterattack. But the Israelis are watching, very aware of everything Hezbollah is doing, everything Iran is doing. Again, a war is going on, Jimmy. We just haven't uh, said that out loud very much, but a real war is occurring between Israel and Iran and mostly fought in Syria, but it's happening everywhere. And the ramifications of that, of course, are are tremendous. David, in the Middle Eastern region this week over in Turkey, actually in Istanbul, Tayyip Erdogan, president of Turkey, changed uh, or converted, let me say, Hagia Sophia, which was a major iconic historic church, then a museum after becoming a mosque. And now Erdogan has changed it again into a mosque. And he said, now I'm looking towards the, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. I want to liberate that. Give me some details. 
Well, yes. Once again, uh, Erdogan proves that he is trying to be the new uh, <laughs> caliph. He's going to be the new great uh, Muslim leader that uh, rules the whole Muslim world, this sort of thing. So Turkey had that role for nearly 400 years, and of course part of that was taking over the seat of the Eastern Orthodox Church uh, in Istanbul and changing it, which of course was called Constantinople, and then they changed the name to Istanbul, and they converted the church into a mosque. And then uh, Ataturk, the uh, nationalistic Turkish leader early in the 1900s, changed it into a museum. And now it's back into a mosque. And uh, the call to prayer is going out the first time the minaret sounded last week. There was cheering throughout the city. The Muslims want this, and it's a Muslim-majority country. So just part of the trend all around the Islamic world of more fundamentalism, going back to the roots of the faith. That's not good for anybody that isn't a Muslim. If you read their scriptures, if you see what they believe, then, uh, you know, we're subservient, we're second-class citizens. The Israelis, of course, being Jews, are in the same position. But, of course, they're not that focused right now. Very little discussion about what's happening anywhere else but inside of Israel, Jimmy, with this coronavirus explosion. They're calling it now a whole new set of restrictions being put in place by the government. Uh, Restaurants were supposed to be closed from today, but there was a revolt, and Avigdor Lieberman warned there would be, you know, riots if the government went too far. But Netanyahu's talking about having to close the whole country down again. They're getting nearly 2,000 cases a day now. So that's what they're focused on. But uh, Turkey another enemy out there, and uh, they're worried that, of course, their intervention in Jerusalem will just stir things up even further, and they don't need that right now. David, earlier this week, the IMF, International Monetary Fund, predicted that the oil-producing nations there in the Middle East, Arab nations, were going to lose about $250 billion, that's a B, $250 billion dollars, from lack of oil production and being able to sell this valuable asset. But at the same time, they are reporting in Israel uh, that there's been a fine of shell oil underneath the surface of the land of Israel, and it could produce 250 billion, another B, 250 billion barrels of oil for the Israelis, This is equal to the Saudi Arabian oil surplus as well. That's a very interesting development, isn't it? Well, Jimmy, it's wonderful. The Israelis always were a little bit envious, I would say, of their neighbors, who almost all of them had pretty good oil supplies. In the case of Saudi Arabia, the biggest in the world at one point, Uh, Iran blessed with that, Syria in the northeast, with a lot of oil, Egypt with natural gas, and Israel felt a little left out. Well, over the past 20, um, well, 25 years, I think it is now, we've started to find these discoveries of huge uh, natural gas deposits off the coast and oil deposits near the Dead Sea, oil in the south, and then this latest shale oil that's a little more expensive to produce. The problem is that it's all happening as the market is collapsing. And, of course, the oil market has collapsed because of the COVID crisis. And it is a serious uh, development. The Israeli economy is reeling, Jimmy. I mean, it is really bad. Unemployment is 20%. Most of the hotels remain closed. 
They don't see any resumption of tourism over the next year. So who's going to buy the oil? Who's going to need the oil? It's really a bleak situation. So even that news, as, as welcomed as it was, didn't seem to cheer the markets very much in Israel or didn't seem to affect people that much because they're preoccupied with what's going on right around them now and the prospects that uh, the country could suffer grave repercussions if uh, they can't get back to normal within the next year or so. And nobody knows, but it looks pretty bleak. But God bless Israel, and there is oil there, and they no longer need to look to their neighbors in any sort of envious way. Very, very interesting development. Well, you've been listening to a conversation between me and David Dolan. He's giving us his Middle East news update. This is a report that is essential for any student of Bible prophecy, but for anybody as well. David, thank you so much for this excellent report. Appreciate it. We'll have another conversation next week. Stay well, my good friend. You as well, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I've got John Rood. He has a report on another key region in the world, European Union. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. In today's world, a biblical worldview and a proper understanding of biblical prophecy should be a priority. At a time when many false doctrines are entering the church at a frightening pace, we must be able to rightly divide God's Word in order to live a pure and productive life for Him. If you would like an in-depth understanding of biblical prophecy, let me challenge you to consider Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. The School of Prophets is an online study for the layman or student pursuing a master's or doctorate degree. Dr. DeYoung's online study program will allow you to develop a timeline of biblical prophecies of the past, as well as future prophecies yet to be fulfilled. Your personal study of God's Word will only be enhanced by Dr. DeYoung's School of Prophets, and your life will be changed as you better understand, like Daniel, where you fit into God's calendar of events. If you're interested in developing a deeper understanding of God's prophetic Word, let me personally invite you to become involved in Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. Call today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us at schoolofprophets.org. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung. I'm here in Temporary Studios, still in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're going over to Illinois later today, Bloomington, Illinois, and we'll be at the Freedom Baptist Church there all day Sunday, then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. More on that a bit later in the broadcast. We're going to continue now to talk with our broadcast partners. We had our Middle East news update, but then it's very important that we go to another key region of this world in order to understand the prophetic scenario that's found in God's Word. And I'm talking about the European continent, and in particular, the European Union. Our go-to man is John Rood, and John, who lived there for over 35 years in Brussels, headquarters for the EU, knows what's happening in that part of the world. And John, we have a number of items I want to talk to you about. The first one has a connection to the Jewish state of Israel. Looks like the European ministers are getting together seeking options in order to be able to stop annexation of Judea and Samaria. Update on this effort. Yes, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu is working to apply sovereignty to about 30% of the area of Judea and Samaria. Foreign ministers from 11 EU countries 
have written a letter to the commission working to stop Israel from doing this annexation. It's interesting to see the countries that have signed this, and this is significant. This is a this is a big deal that 11 foreign ministers, the top uh, priority officials in these countries, have signed this. The countries that have signed, Belgium, Ireland, Italy, France, Malta, Portugal, Sweden, Denmark, Luxembourg, Netherlands, Finland, we see uh, sort of a dichotomy here, a polarization, because who didn't sign? All of Eastern Europe didn't sign, which is seen to be more friendly with Israel, Germany, Austria, Greece, etc. So the foreign minister, uh, essentially for the EU security director, says if this passes, it cannot go on challenge. But the situation there is the EU can't act unless there's full agreement among all uh, nation states involved. So therefore, always comes up against the wall. What can we do because we don't have a full agreement, yet, yet we are taking these decisions? So the EU uh, eventually will work to reorganize itself that it can work unilaterally for all of the member states. This is a perfect example. Yes, and another key reason why we go to you for this European Union update because of what will affect the future is seemingly unfolding at this point in history. By the way, it's understatement to make that uh, this world is changing almost on a daily basis. But I recognize there's word coming out of the Chinese area of foreign ministry uh, that China and France are somewhat stabilizing factors in this changing world. Now, that's what China's saying. Is that relationship between France and China developing, or is that just on the Chinese side? Oh, that's, a, that's a good point. You know, the Chinese movement in the European Union motions towards them, they're very astute. They're very strategic. And so China is speaking to France as being a major stabilizing force in the world. And so China recognizes, and for those that look into this, that there is now sort of a slight power shift in the European Union leadership, and certainly in terms of military and other items from Germany into France. And so China is focusing on France's growing influence in the EU, and France is looking for this approval from countries for their new role. And at the same time, China is working to have influence in the European Union. There's been very serious tension points. Of course, we know the Chinese telecom Huawei that has been strongly encouraged by the United States not to use them in Europe, and the United Kingdom finally did an about-face in that area. Uh, there's the human rights. There's the Hong Kong has the security laws, uh, crackdown. Uh, then we have the coronavirus with origin in China. And so China is really working a little bit ahead of the curve now to gain influence in the European Union, these Frances are the ones that are most susceptible to this. Another very interesting development this week in Istanbul, Turkey, when Tayyip Erdogan, the president of Turkey, converted Hagia Sophia, which is an iconic historic church, into a mosque. And the European Union condemned that. Turkey rejected it. What's the latest? 
The Hagia Sophia is absolute uh, magnificent building. It actually was the largest interior space when it was built in the entire world. Very, very impressive. From 537 A.D. And so it worked as the church in the center of Eastern Orthodox Christianity for nearly a thousand years. Then 1453 to 1935, it's been a mosque. Then it's been a museum from 1935 until today. Now it has been reverted again, as you said, by Erdogan into a mosque again. So this has been sort of a delayed, calculated response that Erdogan sees himself as the spokesman leader of the various Islamic states. This is a response, I believe, to President Trump's declaration declaring Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And so it is a very, very strong statement, and the world has uh, opposed. Uh, The EU has, as we've mentioned, has given very strong condemnation. They're saying this is basically an internal sovereignty issue, and so there's nothing to be said about it. Some people are trying to minimize by saying this is an isolated case, but no, this is a very calculated move on the side of President Erdogan, who really has a vision for uh, the revival of the Ottoman Empire. Yes, it has been unfortunate, and we're watching this very closely. I also noticed, John, that the Pope said that he is very saddened by this overturn of Hagia Sophia into a mosque. But he delayed that announcement. I'm wondering, is his relationship with the Islamic world causing him to delay? What's going on there? It appears that the Pope's statement, first of all, was very terse. That if you didn't really listen, you might have missed the sentence. That he did say, I think of Hagia Sophia and I'm very saddened. But uh, this is an ambiguous statement, and so people don't know if he means he's saddened by what this means for Christianity, or he's saddened for the particular building, or what it may be. He certainly isn't getting strongly involved in the issue, and of course many people would look to him for some type of guidance, but it appears it's a continuation that the Pope has a uh, fear of offending Muslim partners, and this has been a continuation of that. Yes, and we've had conversation with other broadcast partners about the opportunity the Pope has to develop a relationship with the Islamic world. He's moving right along in those particular efforts. Well, let's don't go away from Turkey too far. Looks like Israel and Greece are meeting together, putting ties strategically, coming together militarily, focused on Turkey. Can you update us on this story? Yes, the heads of the Greek and Israeli armies, top chief of staff, national defense general, they've met and are very uh, much working towards deepening military ties between the countries and even talk of some uh, operational developments. And this is a balance to Turkey, as you say. The Greek prime minister has uh, stated Turkey is undermining stability in the region. It aims to control politically and militarily the entire area of the eastern Mediterranean. Israel and Greece has worked on an oil pipeline that Turkey has opposed. And at one time, Turkey did have some type of relationship with Israeli military many, many years ago. 
uh, now Israel and Greece are strengthening their ties in the region. That's the voice of John Rood, the man who covers the European Union for us, a key region of this world, especially as it relates to the prophetic scenario found in God's Word. John covers the political as we then bring to your attention the prophetic that is being set up by the political activities in the European Union. John, thank you for your report. Appreciate it so much. We'll talk again next week. Thank you. Very important report from John Rood covering the European Union. You know, that is a key region in the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word The European Union, most likely the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. That's why we go to John to get the political information from that region, as it seemingly is setting the stage for the prophetic scenario to be fulfilled. Now we go to another of our broadcast partners. Ron Murrow is his name, 30 years experience in the world of economics as a financial advisor with the top companies on Wall Street. And indeed, he is key when we want to talk about something that has economics connected to it, our financial activities unfolding in some region of the world. Ron is my go-to man. We're going to be talking about the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. And then Iran and China have made a deal you may not understand how key this is, especially to the prophetic scenario that is going to take place in that region of the world in the years and not too many years into the future that will be fulfilling Bible prophecy. Ron, great to have you along. Thank you for your website. Uh, Let me find out. I said the IMF, International Monetary Fund, What in the world is that? Who are they, and what is their mission? Hi, Jimmy. Yeah, the International Monetary Fund is an organization of 189 countries whose stated mission is to promote global monetary cooperation, facilitate trade, promote high employment, reduce poverty around the world, and provide loans and financial stability reporting to its members. After several failed loan programs to the underdeveloped countries in the late 1980s and 90s, The IMF lost some credibility and has been trying to rebuild its reputation ever since. The fund was created in 1945 and is governed by and accountable to the 189 countries that make up its near-global membership. Most EU nations turn to the IMF for loans when they run into dire financial problems, like the southern EU nations of Greece and Portugal, who have needed massive bailouts in recent years. Yeah, we've covered that story before, and that was major as it related to the Eurozone as well as the IMF. Well, Ron, because of the coronavirus situation, the Middle East oil-producing nations, according to the IMF, will be losing about $250 billion this year. Boy, that's a gut-wrenching report from the IMF, is it not? That's correct. And and according to the IMF, the region has faced a twin shock of low oil prices and the COVID-19 lockdown, which will cause the largest drop in economic growth in the Middle East in the last 50 years. The economies of the oil-producing nations in North Africa are projected to contract by 5.7% this year, and that's actually 2.4% lower than the April forecast 
In making matters even worse, the Gulf states' economies are projected to shrink by 7.1%. So this makes these countries fertile ground for countries like Russia and China to come in and provide economic relief. Well, you know also what is very interesting. I just read a report. I think I sent it along to you. want to see what your comments are. At the same time, Israel has just discovered $250 billion, that's a B, $250 billion barrels of oil in what they are calling the oil shale. That's in Israel underground, similar to the amount of oil that is in Saudi Arabia. United States has been able to produce oil, making us an energy-sufficient country out of this shale as well. And the Middle East nations are maybe going to want that oil from Israel. That could possibly be the hook in the jaw that's talked about there in Ezekiel 38. Yeah, absolutely, Jimmy. If the 2009 massive natural gas mine in the Levant and the future East Med pipeline that will connect Israel's oil to gas or natural gas to the European Union wasn't enough to make Israel's enemies take up arms, the shale find just may be the catalyst to touch off the two wars you speak of often. Psalm 83 and Gog may Gog. Yes, there in Ezekiel chapter 38, key passage of Scripture. And uh, this is so very interesting. There will be more developing on this story as we keep staying on top of it. Well, on your website, prophecytracker.org, I was reading an article, The Iranian-Chinese Deal. It seems like China is ready to invest about Four hundred billion, and that's another B. Four hundred billion dollars, which will build up the Iranian economy, and of course, give China discounted oil. This is a very interesting development between these two countries, is it not? It really is. You know, with hostilities growing between the U.S., Israel, and Iran, and especially with some seven to eight mysterious explosions on Iran's nuclear and gas sites in the past weeks, China appears to have moved in to fill the gap with a threefold purpose. Uh, first, they'll gain a stronger economic foothold in the Middle East. They'll secure much-needed cheap oil for itself, and at the same time, poke a finger in the eye of the U.S. and Israel. Well, talk to me, Ron. Is this not a great help for the Chinese as they put their Belt and Road Initiative together? And explain that Belt and Road Initiative, if you will. It is, you know, what it's going to provide to Jimmy is cheap labor, uh, is, is, is helping President Xi uh, build what the Chinese call the Golden Age of Commerce, which promises over one trillion in infrastructure investments of bridges, rails, ports, and energy in over 60 countries across Europe, Asia, and Africa. Iran is strategically at the center of China's plans, while China knowingly or unknowingly is building a possible future highway. The, the Kings of the East of Revelation 16, and it's called the Belt and Road Initiative. That Belt and Road Initiative, a key component. Now China is going to be the major player in the end times. When I take a look at the book, I'll get more in-depth as to how China will be that main player with the Antichrist as well. Ron, you're a student of prophecy as I am and your economic background as a financial advisor for over 30 years with some of the major players on Wall Street, economics will play not only a key role in our world today, but in the prophetic scenario found in God's Word, will it not? Really. You know, Jimmy, uh, throughout the final book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation, we find three economic events in Revelation 6, 13, and 18. 
that affect both the common man and the wealthiest 1%. You know, God has left nothing out. He's taught us everything we need to know about the final act and the final economic plans for this world. That was Revelation chapter 6, chapter 13, and chapter 18 as well. Key passages of Scripture that we'll deal with when we take a look at the book. Ron, a great report. Thank you so much, my good friend. It's great to have a go-to guy because I'm not very economically savvy, and I sure could not give financial advice to anybody. I bought silver at uh, $6 an ounce. Then I turned around and made the big sale at $2 an ounce, so I'm not too swift. Hey, thanks, Ron. God bless. We'll talk again real soon. Okay, Jimmy. Thank you. It was a pleasure joining you, and God bless. Very important conversation with Ron Murrell about the economic situation in this world and how it plays into the end-time scenario that is found in God's Word. Right now, we're going to have a very interesting conversation with Dr. Don DeYoung. Don is a former head of the science department at Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana. He's an astronomer, an excellent guy, when you come to asking him about the stars, the sun, and the moon. And today we're going to add in planets as well. Because Don got me started on a hobby of looking up into the sky and observing what we find up there and realizing it is all displaying the glory of the Lord in his creation. Now, in light of that, Don, Genesis chapter 1 on the fourth day of creation, Jesus Christ brought the moon, the sun, and the stars into existence. But what about the planets? What is a planet, Don? Well, that's a good question, Jimmy. I believe on day four, along with the sun, moon, stars, God also makes the, the planets, the comets, and lots of other material in in deep space. The planets uh, are objects that are close to us. They circle the sun. They're part of the solar system from Mercury all the way out to Pluto. So those are our neighbors, including Jupiter. When we think about Jupiter, I'm excited because I was looking up, and I do believe I found Jupiter in the sky. Earlier in the week, it said that it would be up there very bright, It was moving towards an opposition. Now, what does that mean? Well, Jupiter is visible a major part of each year. At opposition would mean that it's as high as it can get at midnight. So it's going to be up all night long and uh, quite easy to see. Opposition would be it's kind of uh, opposite the sun from us. It's an easy one to see. Jupiter is a, a very bright planet. Now, it is a long ways away, but it's also very large, so it's a good reflector, and it's a good uh, object to look for. Well, as I was looking for it and reading materials that I was able to find on the Internet, along with reading your book on astronomy, I understand that things in the heavens happen exactly on time, right at the moment they're supposed to and can be predicted many years ahead. That's an amazing aspect of creation, isn't it? It is. You know, these objects, they follow the laws that uh, God established for orbits and positions, and uh, as you say, predictable right down to the very second when there's going to be an eclipse or a planet at opposition. What can you say? They obey the laws. Uh, It's part of the faithfulness of the physical universe that God set up. 
I want you to correct me if I'm wrong now, Don, but I understand that Jupiter, which is the focus of what I wanted to talk to you about, is about two and a half times more massive than all the other planets that are combined. Man, that is a large planet, isn't it? Yes, Jupiter does stand out. Its mass, its weight is more than double all the other planets combined. Jupiter is much larger than the Earth. If you could just imagine analogy, if the Earth was, let's say, the size of a grape, then Jupiter would be the size of a, of a basketball. So mm-hmm. it far outweighs us. On the other hand, uh, Jupiter would not be a place to live. It does not even have a solid surface. It's a large sphere of gas and materials, but it is large and, uh, uh, and bright. As best you can determine your study of the Bible and, of course, your study of astronomy, why did God create these planets then if we could not live on Jupiter? What's the purpose for this planet? Well, that is a good question of why there's so much variety and space seems to go on and on with uh, types of stars and different objects. And uh, I think all we can say is that it's the work of God's fingers. It shows that God is the master artist and made variety, much that we have not even seen yet. At the same time, the Earth, even though it's not the largest object, is special. The Lord Jesus walked here. According to Genesis 1, the Earth was even the very first object made. Uh, Sun, moon, and stars come along on day number four. So the Earth does stand out as a special creation where God gave his attention. And praise the Lord for that. He came to this Earth to meet my need for salvation, your need, and everybody else's need to have a Savior to give us eternal life. And I praise the Lord that he chose the earth upon which to put people, and then he then came to become our Savior. I I just noticing before we went on the air, though, Don, there's uh, something we have an article on our homepage, prophecytoday.com, talking about a collectic wall. In other words, as I understand, I just read it quickly. You can give us more details. It has thousands of galaxies, and I understand you've told me there's over 100 billion. That's would be 100 billion galaxies out there in our universe. This particular item, the galactic wall, is 1.4 billion light years long. I don't even know how to explain that. And it's in the skies over Earth's south pole. This is interesting. Talk to me about this galactic wall. Yes, in that recent um, findings, since we live inside the Milky Way, it can be a little difficult to look beyond it to see what else is out there because of the haze and the stars that are near us. But what's been done now is to look, as you say, in the, toward the southern pole off the Earth, and uh, then you're in the deep space, actually hundreds of millions of light years where it's been noticed a, a whole new region, a collection of galaxies that had not been observed before. And, uh, Jimmy, this is what space seems to be like every year as we have come up with new telescopes, new devices. We see further and further, and we just see the galaxies go on and on. Uh, they're just um, clusters of galaxies. I don't know if this universe is infinite, but we certainly see no end to it. So this is just um, the latest idea, this wall, which is really just uh, an array of galaxies, each one like the Milky Way, and uh, (laughs) the numbers just keep going on and on. Uh, The heavens, the universe, beyond 
comprehension. Well, and in fact, Psalm 19 is absolutely on target when it says, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. I'm so thrilled that you introduced me to my hobby. I don't have time for many hobbies, but I can walk at night. I can go outside, look up in the sky, and see what God has done in the past. But another reason I love having you on the air is you're not only a student of astronomy, in fact, a scientist in that field, but in fact, you're a student of the Word of God, the prophetic Word of God. And when we talk about events happening today, we have to remember that in the end times, there's going to be a lot of activity in the heavenlies as well. Right, Don? Well, yes. Good to keep in mind that um, this universe around us is uh, temporary. God set it up. As we watch it, it is slowly growing old and aging, and in his own time, uh, uh, the Lord will uh, reconstruct the universe, talking about the new heavens and new earth, and so we'll always enjoy it, but what we have right now will be uh, restored and improved at a future time. I like that phrase, you haven't seen nothing yet. I know that's a double negative, but indeed, I love it. Yes, what is in store for us in the future? Just amazing and beyond belief. Don DeYoung, my broadcast partner, good friend. Uh, We've never met each other, but we've had a lot of conversations on the air and on the radio. And I'm so grateful for those times. Hope we can do it. If not, Don, here, there, or in the air, we'll get acquainted. But thank you for giving us this information, this insight on the heavens today. Thank you, Jimmy. Good to visit you. Looking forward to another one of those visits as well. Well, we're going to have to take a break right now. When we come back, we have one more broadcast partner, David James. I want to talk about what's been promoted on Fox News, prayer, and a place of prayer, and, and what you should do when you try to go to sleep at night. You don't want to miss that conversation. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. As said before, here in temporary studios in Milwaukee, right after this broadcast, we'll be headed south to Bloomington, Illinois, to go to the Freedom Baptist Church, a four-day prophecy conference, Sunday through Wednesday. Come and join us as we study the prophetic Word of God. Let me give you my poll question, if you will. Go to my home page. On the left-hand column, you can find the question. Here it is. The International Monetary Fund predicted this week that the Middle East oil-producing states will lose $250 billion, that's a B, billion dollars of revenue because of the coronavirus and the low price of oil. Meanwhile, Israel has discovered a source of 250 billion, that's a B, billion barrels of oil in shell oil. Could Israel's newfound source of oil be the hook in the jaws of Israel's enemies, Ezekiel 38.4, that brings these enemies to Israel for the Gog-Magog War? Please go to my website, prophecytoday.com, and answer my poll question. We now bring to this broadcast table David James. He's going to have a conversation with me today, and we're going to focus on the Prayer.com's Bedtime Bible Stories. Maybe you've heard of that during the announcement, the advertisement on Fox News at night especially. 
I want you to hear what David and I are going to be talking about. It's key as we have a consistent biblical walk with Jesus Christ. So thank you for joining us at this particular time. But David, as usual, let's jump in with one of our listeners' emails that we received this week, which includes a couple of related questions and her personal views on these questions. Sure. Well, she asked us to help her sort some things out, and her first question was this. We hear so much about dying and going to heaven to see our loved ones, so if the dead in Christ will rise first to meet Jesus, how can they be in heaven now? Then she wrote, I know I may be incorrect, but I believe if we die in Christ, we will rest in peace until we see him. Now, this view about, quote-unquote, resting in peace, that's called soul sleep, and it's not biblical for several reasons. First, Paul talks about being absent from the body and then and present with the Lord in 2 Corinthians 5, 6-8. Back in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 28, Samuel's spirit is conscious, and then in the New Testament, Moses and Elijah uh, appear in Matthew 17, and then we have the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, and then we also see the souls of the martyrs in heaven at the fifth seal judgment in Revelation chapter 6. Then in 1 Thessalonians 4, the dead rising to meet Jesus is about the resurrection of the physical body, but the souls of believers who have died in Christ will return with him from heaven to receive that resurrection body. Then she also writes, I don't believe we will know our loved ones in heaven. This is just my thinking, because how can there be no pain, tears, or grief if uh, we know each other and remember our sins here on the earth? So in 2 Samuel 12, after his son dies, uh, King David speaks of going to him at death, and this is before the resurrection. And then again in Luke 16, the rich man recognizes both Lazarus and Abraham, even though obviously he didn't know Abraham before. So while we can't say exactly what we'll remember of our life on earth, we'll clearly know something. Very interesting questions from one of our listeners. We're so appreciative of the fact that uh, you have questions and want to find out from what the Word of God has to say about those particular questions. Keep sending them. Send them to prophecytoday.com. Thank you so much, dear lady. Well, I'm guessing that many of our listeners, David, have seen the bedtime Bible stories from Pray.com that is being advertised on Fox News and other channels in the evenings over the past couple of weeks and months. I thought it would be good for us to at least get involved in discussing this particular issue. So start us off. Well, as I was doing the research, I was actually surprised at how long Pray.com has been up and running, because it's only been in the last few months that these ads started catching my attention. So for any of our listeners who haven't seen the ads or, or heard the radio ads, we'll play a clip of one of those main ads. Give yourself a moment to get comfortable and cozy as you settle in for tonight's story, based on the Gospels. This story takes us to the rocky edges of a serene, deep blue lake. Hear the crunch of stones and sand as you walk along the lake. Fall asleep now with Bible Bedtime Stories, exclusively on the Pray.com app. So I don't know about you, Jimmy, but that ad just strikes me as a bit creepy. And one thing that's interesting, and I and actually uh, a bit suspect, to be honest, is if you go to the Pray.com website, there's no place to find out anything about them, and there's no about 
section and there's no way to contact them. Now, maybe they give more access to uh, more information if you sign up, but that requires a credit card even for the seven-day free trial, and I would say that's just a marketing scheme because a lot of people will, will forget and let that seven days slip by and then get charged. I want to tell you something, David. I would have to agree that the ad does have an odd feeling to it. But before we get into some of our concerns, what can you tell us about Prey.com? Maybe you've been able to research and help us to get started. And what is the purpose of this organization? And anything else that you might think would be helpful to us? Well, as I mentioned, there's no way to get information directly on Prey.com, at least before signing up. And another strange thing is there's no Wikipedia article either, which can be a good place to start. So I had to dig a little more to find uh, information to even get started. So according to a PRNewsWire.com article, the Prey.com app was founded by Steve Gatena and three other men, and this is to quote-unquote, empower people to live with purpose and connect with faith by allowing users to participate in community prayer, receive daily inspirational content from faith leaders, and make charitable gifts to 501c3 religious organizations of their choice. Now, Pray.com was apparently launched at Southeastern University, which is an Assemblies of God school, and their website describes it this way. Pray.com is a free social networking platform for faith-based communities and nonprofits that sell premium audio content for people of faith. And then a Business World article has a title, Capitalists Invest $2 Million in Pray.com, a startup guided by the Roman Catholic Church. And the article goes on to say that Pray.com was ideated during the Laudato Si Fellowship in Rome. It was inspired by Pope Francis and is guided by Cardinal Peter Turkson, a front-runner to succeed the present Pope. And, Jimmy, when you look further into the resources available at Pray.com, more problems start popping up. And I think that the bedtime Bible stories are sort of a gateway into deeper issues that believers need to be aware of. So then, David, in addition to what appears Pray.com's Roman Catholic connection, what are some of the other areas of concern that you have? Well, one thing our listeners need to be aware of is that there are a number of negative reviews out there. For example, one person wrote, it looks like the app is more about money-making than being life-changing. And another said, uh, they give you a so-called free trial. You have to sign up with your credit card, and they say it's easy to cancel. But when you open the app or the website, there's no way to cancel. So I'm not sure about that. This is just one of the reviews. Now, Pray.com has many audio sections available only to paid subscribers, and these include biblical sagas, kids' stories, meditative prayers, and messages from different speakers, ranging from okay to questionable to very problematic. They also have book summaries, and two of the books include The Name of God is Mercy by Pope Francis and The Book of Joy by Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. And concerning the bedtime stories, here's the clip of the intro to the creation story. Hello, my name is Emily. Before we begin tonight's story, I invite you to find a comfortable resting position. Tonight's story is inspired by the book of Genesis. Surrounded by a lush garden, there is rich earth below you and tall trees above you. 
Listen to the leaves rustle as a soft breeze passes through the branches. Let the peace of nature relax your body and calm your mind and know you are safe in this garden. So, Jimmy, to me, this feels creepy, just like the ads, but more disturbing. It feels like guided transcendental meditation, and they even put white noise in the background to help mask outside noises. You know, David, I think this transcendental meditation-style approach has been a problem for a number of years now, but it's not only with Pray.com. I understand that it's something that apparently is beginning to catch on because you sent me another clip from another website And it's just as bad or possibly even worse. You're right, Jimmy. That clip was from Abide Christian Meditation app. Let me play the introduction to that clip for our listeners. Welcome to this time on Abide Meditation to guide you into a relaxing night of sleep. This soothing story from Holy Scripture will help you softly fall asleep in the caring arms of God who loves you and watches over you as you rest. As you begin, shift your mind slowly away from today's tasks and worries. Soak instead in God's presence and begin to get comfortable. Close your eyes and relax. Breathe in God's peace and breathe out your troubles. If you fall asleep before the story is finished, all the better. I give you permission now to fall asleep and dream sweet dreams. God is present, too, even while you dream. So not only is it guided meditation, it's also very much like hypnosis, and this also happens multiple times at the end of the story. This Abide app was released in 2015, and just two years later, the creators claimed that Abide's topic on anxiety and worry is streamed three times more than any other topic in their more than 1,500 meditation sessions. They go on to say this, since inception, Abide users have meditated for 2.2 million hours and 4 million users turned to Abide either over the web or using the mobile app. So this was three years ago that that was written. Then in April of this year, Christianity Today ran an article on this trend that said Christian meditation apps with names like Abide, Pray.com, One Minute Praise, Soul Time, Soul Space, and for Catholic, Palo. Uh, They've entered the scene more recently, adding prayer and scripture to the digital landscape of soft voices and nature sound. One church pastor, megachurch pastor, said it's really sort of exploding right now. David, I've got to tell you, to be honest, I think this is a very disturbing trend. But I can see how people really could get pulled into this situation, just as they do so many other things that are real problems spiritually. I think as we wrap it up today, David, what advice can you give us for learning how to exercise good discernment? Well, this may not sound spiritual, but I would say it is, and that's listen to your instincts because we're promised wisdom from the Holy Spirit. If something sounds suspicious, if there are red flags, there's probably a reason, so you need to dig deeper. Our listeners need to do what I do every week and what you and I both do, and that's search the Internet. The amount of information that's available is amazing. And as I was working on this, I contacted a lady named Marcia Montenegro, who was formerly a New Age practitioner and now has her own Christian discernment ministry, and she had already written an article on this uh, Abide app. 
and she appreciated my lead on Pray.com. So there are a lot of resources out there and a good number of people doing the researching. And, of course, you need to use discernment as well because there are a lot of conspiracy theories and bad information. Uh, Another thing is to be careful about gimmicks and sensationalism that people use to just make a quick buck or get their 15 minutes of fame. And finally, and most importantly, know the Word of God well, study it regularly and carefully, and take it seriously. Yes, what a great bit of advice, that last statement. Know the Word of God. Be in the Word of God in your own daily devotional time. David, great research. Boy, this was a subject I do believe we needed to get into in our conversation this week. So thank you for everything you've done to prepare for this conversation. And uh, be ready. We'll have another conversation next week, my good friend. Thanks, Jimmy. Great to be with you. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'll open the Bible. All of our broadcast partners have given us the details on current events. We'll look at it from a biblical perspective. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. Have you ever wanted to visit Israel and trace the footsteps of Jesus? With Rick and Jim's VIP trips, you'll see Israel past, present, and prophetic. Our VIP trips are typically smaller groups of 8 to 12 people. This smaller group size allows us to spend more one-on-one time answering your questions and personalizing our tour. It is a very intimate experience. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time not to only visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. We can also customize our trip for your family or small group. Please call Joshua Travel today and see how we can make your trip extra special. Call 423-821-3635 or visit us online at joshuatravel.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for me to take a look at the book. You know, I was amazed at the reports from our broadcast partners giving us the details behind the news stories of this world today. We look at all of these news stories as information helping us to understand the times in which we are living. These detailed reports from our broadcast partners help us to see how close we may well be to the fulfillment 
of the prophetic scenario that is found in Bible prophecy. I'll give you my prophetic perspective on these reports in a moment. But first, if you missed any of these reports, please go to my website, prophecytoday.com, then to PTRN, it's on the right-hand column, Prophecy Today Radio Network, you'll be able to listen to each and every report. And do me this favor, if you do listen to the reports, please tell a friend or a family member about these reports. It would assist them in understanding the times in which we are living, and you can use it as an evangelistic tool to lead your friend or family member to Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you my prophetic perspective on the news stories from my broadcast partner's reports. Ken Timmerman talked to us about the China-Iran deal, which we said would be dangerous to Israel, but in fact it's going to be dangerous to the entire Middle East and the world. Both of these players, China and Iran, are major in the last day's scenario. Iran will be at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period, and China mentioned at the end when he joins partnership with the Antichrist. Iran, that would be Ezekiel 38.5, China, Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12. This deal will indeed be dangerous for Israel and the Middle East, a part of a scenario to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. David Dolan talked to us about Israel's role in attacks on Iran and its nuclear infrastructure. David's report was much speculation because we do not know the top secret events that are unfolding as the Israeli Defense Force tries to stop the Iranians from developing a nuclear weapon of mass destruction. But what we do know, Iran has a desire to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. They say it almost on a daily basis. It's echoing Psalm 83 and verse 4, where they'll come out of their meeting and say, let's wipe Israel off the face of the earth, that her name be forgotten forever. It shows how these two nations will play their role in the tribulation period. John Root is the man who covers the European Union for us. It's another key region as it relates to Bible prophecy. Turkey is rejecting the European Union condemnation of Erdogan's conversion of Hagia Sophia into a mosque. Hagia Sophia, an iconic historic church for thousands of years, and this event that took place this week will only enhance Erdogan's plan to become the pan-Islamic leader of the Islamic world and, of course, revive the old Ottoman Empire. These scenarios for the last days found in God's prophetic word. Then Ron Moore, he is a financial advisor for over 30 years, knows economics. We came together with a discussion on the Middle Eastern oil-producing nations that will be losing this year alone and maybe even a greater number, but what's estimated right now is $250 billion, that's a B, $250 billion in revenue. And at the same time, Israel has discovered 
250 billion barrels, again, that's a B, 250 billion barrels of shell oil. You know, economics plays a key role in the future. That's found in Revelation chapters 6, 13, and 18. And this Israeli discovery could be that hook in the jaws to bring the Jewish enemies to Israel for that Gog-Magog war, Ezekiel chapter 38. Dr. Don DeYoung and I had a conversation on being able to see light from Jupiter, the planet Jupiter, which is the largest planet in our Milky Way, two and a half times the mass of all our planets put together. I was also able not only to see Jupiter this week, but Venus and Saturn. You know what a hobby that is to be able to look up into the skies and see God's creative act on display. You look at the glory of God, as it says in Psalm 19. I love that hobby that Dr. DeYoung introduced me to. And by the way, you can take up that hobby as well. And I want to remind you that what we see in the heavenlies today, a foretaste of the future with signs in the heavens during the tribulation period. And then David James and I, with our weekly conversation, we focused on Pray.com and the Bible stories at bedtime. Transcendental prayer style is dangerous. But I want you to go back and listen to my conversation with David He had some very important information that each and every one of us should know so that we recognize what is being promoted as something very wrong in the lifestyle of a born-again Bible-believing Christian. If you missed any of these reports, please go to my website, prophecytoday.com, then to PTRN, it's on the right-hand column, Prophecy Today Radio Network. When you go there, you'll be able to listen to each and every report. And do me this favor. If you do listen to the reports, please tell a friend or a family member about these reports. It would assist them in understanding the times in which we are living. And you can use it as an evangelistic tool to lead your friend or family member to Jesus Christ. Well, all of these reports, as you can tell, tangible evidence of the fact that we are living in the last of days, the end of times, and the next event, which is the rapture of the church, is about to happen. In fact, it could happen at any moment, even today. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.